Welcome to the Aerospace Engineering Podcast. My name is Reiner Groh, Research Fellow of the Royal Academy of Engineering, and on this podcast I have conversations with aerospace pioneers about new technologies at the cutting edge of aerospace design and research. Special thanks go to my supporters on Patreon, who make this podcast possible. If you enjoy the Aerospace Engineering Podcast and would like to support it, then head over to patreon.com forward slash aerospace. There are multiple levels of support, but pledging even a dollar an episode is highly appreciated. Thanks for your support. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Three, two, one, zero, all engine running. Liftoff, we have a liftoff, 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11. Griffin, uh, Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. Martin Eichenhofer is the CEO and co-founder of 90 Labs, a company that was spun out of ETH Zurich in Switzerland. 90 Labs specialize in providing software solutions and manufacturing equipment for producing high-quality and high-performance composite materials using 3D printing. By marrying the worlds of composite materials and 3D printing, 90 labs are taking advantage of the superior material properties of composite materials and combining these with the geometric fidelity facilitated by 3D printing. As a result, components that were previously unfeasible to be manufactured using composite materials, either from a technical or cost perspective, are now within the realm of the possible. What is unique about 90 Labs is that the company combines their hardware for 3D printing composite parts with the bespoke optimization software in order to maximize a component's performance, both in terms of structural design and manufacturing quality. Furthermore, it has been historically difficult to print continuous fiber composites at high quality with a low void content. 90 Labs, however, have patented a process that allows printing at a void content of below 1%, which competes with conventionally manufactured composites. So in this episode of the Aerospace Engineering Podcast, Martin and I discuss his background as an engineer and how his PhD research led to 90 Labs, the challenges and benefits of 3D printing composite materials, 90 Labs' unique approach to 3D printing composites, some of the applications 90 Labs are currently working on, and much, much more. I hope you enjoy this fascinating conversation as much as I did. But now, without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Martin Eichenhofer. Martin, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Rana. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. So before we start talking about your company, 9T Labs, I'd like to ask you about your background as an engineer. So how did you get interested in engineering and how has your career evolved to where you are today? All right. Um, so actually looking back, I, I started as a mechanic originally. So I was when I was 15, 16, I was operating like CNC machines. Um, that's kind of my was my first step into the professional world. And then I kind of like kind of drifted from there into the academic world where I, you know, ended up uh, doing a PhD in engineering. Um, I think for the last seven years, I was focusing on composite materials and um, yeah, aerospace applications. So, and the interest was always there from 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 the roots back on you know growing up on a farm. I think there was also always a technical affinity, and uh, yeah, I, I think I took it from there. And I was always like the guy that you know 
was going from one thing to the next thing. So this is how, how, how it evolved. So it's quite an interesting background then. So you say you started as a CNC engineer. So how did you end up from kind of, I presume, starting a kind of apprenticeship education engineering to ending up then going down kind of, you know, the completely opposite end, which is doing a PhD? How did that evolution take place? I think it's an interesting question. I, was, uh, I, I sometimes ask myself that question. <laughs> uh, I think I'm always, I was always curious. Um, I was uh, always doing okay, good in school. And I was fascinated to learn more. And then, you know, I, I don't regret at all to, uh, you know, that I did this apprenticeship because it, I, I really, it, it helps me still a lot to have this practical side. But then I was always also curious about a little bit more the, yeah, the fundamentals, uh, the math behind stuff. And then, you know, I kind of drifted into this academic world, I have to say. Um, I was mainly driven by curiosity, I guess. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right that um, if you spend a lot of time in academia, you, you tend to sometimes forget about, um, you know, the practical application. And um, with your background, it seems that you you never lost touch with with the practical side of th side of things. So, just as a, another quick follow up on this, could you just describe in kind of maybe lay terms what you were looking at in your PhD? What was the the focus of your research question? Yeah, it was. Um... Basically, the research was on the fundamentals of uh, additive manufacturing for continuous fiber composites, and in particular in the 3D printing domain, which is, in my, my opinion, a subset of additive, or sometimes people just say, you know, additive is 3D printing, which is also correct, in my opinion. Um, there was mainly on the processing, so processing, uh, meaning how can we achieve good material, or basically end part quality, in terms of um, printing quality, Know, interlaminar bonding, porosity in the part. And at the end, the second aspect was also on process, like processing efficiency, so um, printing speed, which then related, you know, has a correlation to the quality. So there's a lot on the processing side and how can we print a decent quality, cost efficient. That means fast. So if your kind of PhD was on this idea of using 3D printing with composite materials, so kind of marrying the two worlds. How did this PhD project or your kind of background in 3D printing then kind of transition into your the, the company that you founded, 90 Labs? So could you perhaps talk a little bit about how you started the company and what was the kind of inception story behind the creation of the company? So this is a great question. I think I have to go one step back and um, explain a little bit like how the idea you know, about 3D printing, fiber composites, continuous fibers was created. And in, in my case, uh, it was actually with my brother together when we were like buying the first do-it-yourself printer. And, you know, my brother was actually building it up at home. And we got to talk about 3D printing. We're experimenting it. At the same time, I was starting my PhD, uh, not my PhD, yeah, my master's at ETH in Zurich. And there I was uh, already talking to um, a postdoc uh, focusing on composite materials. And so I got the composite side, I got to know the composite side, I got to know 3D printing hands-on, and then that's how I kind of uh, made the bridge. And uh, I was motivated together with my brother to uh, to kind of like, you know, rethink a little bit how we build composites as of today or at that time. And yeah, I was gradually, you know, developing the ideas, the concepts, filing for the first patents. And that's how like the, the idea of doing a spin-off and making a startup was already created at that point because when we were filing the first patents the idea was okay you know we want to commercialize this we want to make this next step in composite manufacturing 
And um, that was with my brother at the time in my master's. And how it turned out to be was like when I then was in my PhD, kind of building the foundation for the startup. My brother was also already looking into a little bit different, you know, his family status changed and, you know, his, his life situation changed a little bit. So he was not so much uh, available, so to say, for a startup. But then I got to know my other two co-founders, Giovanni and Chester, who I was working with during my PhD, in my early days in my PhD. And we got to know each other and been working together for more than a year and really kind of crafted the concept of doing the spin-off and the startup. And then we kicked it off in early 2018 when I was still in my PhD. Great. So you just mentioned the kind of concept and the idea of, of 90 Labs. So um, can you talk about what the overall goal and, and vision of your company is? So what have you kind of set out to achieve? Yeah, I mean, I think in, in a nutshell, a very short, it's like we, we want to make high performance composite materials more accessible. So it's a, it's a fair choice about, you know, what's the right material for the right application. And it's not necessarily driven by the manufacturing route or the manufacturing limitations. And as of today, we have for a lot of applications, it's not so much about what's the right material. It's rather driven about what's the manufacturing available. And this is in particular relevant for high, high performance composite materials. And we want to change that paradigm and we want to make composite materials as accessible as metals. So we've kind of talked about a little bit about the kind of world of, of composite materials already, but perhaps as a kind of background for the benefit of uh, of our listeners could you just describe you know what a high performance modern composite material is and at the same time you know this idea of additive manufacturing and 3d printing what, what is the main idea behind that uh, a modern composite material in, in my my view in short is a material that's um has a polymeric base so it's light as plastic um but strong like metal, uh, and that's because it's locally reinforced with continuous fibers. And so you create this unique material, um, and in a technical domain they call it an anisotropic material. So it basically has extremely unique characteristics in one direction, but not necessarily in all directions. That's why this material is quite uh, quite unique in that sense that you have to really be smart uh, um, on how to create your part out of it, because the direction of those fibers matter. And additive manufacturing, to come back to your, to your first, uh, actually the second point or the second question, um, additive or 3D printing is, for me, an automated way of placing material layer by layer or locally. And it's quite uniquely equipped to uh, make the next big step or next big leap in composite manufacturing because I mentioned this anisotropic behavior. And so the directionality, how you place those fibers is important. And 3D printing gives us really the software capabilities and the automation to, to utilize this fiber, those fiber strength. And um, we can really create parts which are exceptionally on, on the mechanical performance side and really blow um, co conventional metal parts out of the water. Great. So, I mean, you know, composite materials in, in a lot of kind of applications have been traditionally kind of manufactured in some form of additive manner. And that, I mean, you basically, you tend to have individual layers of a, of a kind of pre-impregnated fabric, or maybe it's a, it's a dry fabric, and you're basically stacking these layers on top of each other where each layer has a kind of unique orientation of the continuous um, fibers. So in some sense, that is already kind of an additive manufacturing process because you're not necessarily cutting away at the material. You're kind of 
creating it from scratch layer by layer. So now the, the kind of le leading question from that is, of course, in a kind of traditional 3D printing machine, what we're thinking of is kind of you have this filament of material that is kind of, you know, depositing material in, in a small kind of filament, um, which is, I guess, slightly different than having, you know, large layers of composite material. So my kind of question is, you know, what is the benefit of, you know, marrying the worlds of kind of 3D printing with manufacturing uh, composite components? Um, what is the kind of standout benefit of combining those two worlds? I couldn't agree more on your statement that uh, in, in composite, like uh, most of the things we have been doing in the conventional composite world is additive. Uh, if we just like uh, take aside the waste, let's, let's put, it, put it this way. Um, the, the merits of 3D printing or let's say the next generation of composite, automated composite manufacturing is really that um, we can create smaller parts which have a quite complex geometry and we can really optimize the fiber layer, the fiber directionality according to, to the load curses, to the stress, to the stress line. And that's quite unique. So we can really create a more superior part in terms of performance. Um, and that was not so much possible before because if you have the conventional way, the, the, the manual way, or even an automated composite way, it was usually designed for really high throughput and usually the, for easy handling of the material. And the easy handling way in, in composite was uh, basically uh, was basically fabric. So we created a lot of kind of um, fabric materials. This was an easy way on how to handle millions of fibers at the same time. And that was our step into creating composite parts. And now having better resolution, more better automation, better software, we can really Really orientate those fibers more uh, more properly according to whatever the criteria are, and that's for me like a huge step up um, because we can really utilize the full fiber, the full mechanical performance of the fibers, which we could not in conventional composites. Most of the composites we composite parts we see as of today, they are not really utilizing the fiber strength. They are high performance, but not at what it could be, not at the maximum it could be. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right that, of course, with something like a kind of dedicated 3D printing process, you have much better, you know, ability to to tailor the precise direction of of the fiber path. But so I'm trying to visualize this this process because, again, you know, coming from a kind of traditional composite material approach, the kind of image that I have in my head is the one that you just kind of um, described, where you have kind of a fabric that you're laying down, and then you add one layer upon the other. So how does the kind of 3D printing process with com composite materials, how does that look, just as a, in terms of visualization, how does the process actually look like? Mm -hmm. uh, there are different variants, and uh, I think people are still debating what's the right characterization on different groups on how to characterize the, the layout process and in, in, in 3D printing of continuous fibers. But uh, the way I see it is like there are two main categories. So there is um, the extrusion category, and then there is the let's say classical uh, layout category and the extrusion category you have an extrusion nozzle where a fiber bundle so a set of fibers is passing uh, through and it either takes up some resin some plastic you know to get kind of get this composition to the, the composite to build the composite before it's then deposited like layer by layer and the other way of extrusion is sometimes that you have a preform a pre-prep material, so it's a filament that already has the plastic and the, the, the carbon fiber or any reinforcement fiber in, in it. 
and this is just locally reheated and then deposited. So those are the two, I think, uh, like types of extrusion-based systems. And then there's another one or another category, which uh, I call it the more classical layout, which uh, comes from those automated um, tape laying technologies. Um, those were kind of developed for aerospace to build like wing structures and fuselage structures. And um, they kind of uh, work in a way that you have a pre-impregnated tape or preform, which is then locally heated and kind of rolled down or deposited onto a substrate. And that's usually um, directional, so you have directional printing. So basically the layup head has to follow the trajectory of the layup. Um, so those are the two main categories I see. Then we didn't discuss or yet discuss on um, if there's also plastic printing, so neat plastic printing possible, so if you that you can create hybrid parts. So it's either just carbon fiber reinforced plastic, the entire part, or it could be also a hybrid part where you have a second nozzle system where you can also add just pure plastic regions. And that gives you another design latitude, um, maybe to create an even more complex or even more optimal parts. Nice, very interesting. So I'm kind of like wondering what are you know some of the the, the technical challenges of um, 3D printing. So of course, you know when we when you were speaking about tape laying, for example, there there are always these kind of manufacturing challenges of preventing um, wrinkles of of getting good manufacturing quality. So what is it in in your eyes, or what is it as a, as a company, Nine T Labs, that you're kind of like what is the the technical challenge that you need to overcome to make kind of high quality parts using kind of 3D printed uh, composite materials? Yeah, I think there, there's actually a lot of lessons learned um, also along that way. You know, I would have answered you completely different five years ago. So there was a lot of learnings along that way and kind of consolidating thought, thoughts. Um, I think at the end, what you have to first decide is like, what's the resolution of a part? Because using composite materials, continuous fibers, it depends on how many fibers you bundle together on what re resolution you can achieve. You know, the, you mentioned the wrinkles and things like that. Um, so at the end, you have to kind of, because, but it also directly relates to the productivity, to the uh, efficiency, to the costs of, uh, you know, printing. And there, I'd say it's never possible to create like a perfect part. So you always create because you have to, you know, the continuity of the fibers. And if you wrap or drape fibers around a geometry, if you lay them down, you're kind of draping them in the two-dimensional planar layer. Um, there's always the problem of also wrinkles and porosity. And I think that's actually the main the main struggle, I'd say, for composite additive manufacturing or 3D printing is the porosity you create between fiber bundles and um, the filaments you place down, you know. And this is, I think, not so much relevant if you're looking for prototyping applications, jigs and fixtures, those kind of application spaces. But if you're looking for structural composite parts, which have to undergo certification for various industries, it's getting super, super tricky. So it's not so just about, uh, you know, sometimes they talk about interlaminar bonding, which is also a critical aspect. But I think the main, the, the, the most crit critical aspect, in my opinion, is um, the porosity inside the part. Okay, so as a kind of you know, when I was you know scanning your 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 webpage, I came across a couple of other things that you were doing uh, as a company, or a couple of things that Ninety Labs were doing that goes kind of beyond just offering three D printing 
um, of composite materials. And it seems like you're using kind of software and um, predictive tools as well, or optimization tools to kind of marry the, the two worlds of kind of uh, manufacturing high quality components, but also kind of optimizing them. So could you talk a little bit about the, the, the software side of 90 Labs? So we see each other very much as a, a composite manufacturing platform for prototypes and um, production parts. And we're using 3D printing as one component out of this end-to-end -end solution, out of this platform. And because you mentioned software, so it really is related to two aspects. Uh, one is design. The other one is print quality or part quality or part performance, if you want. And uh, to go like specifically go into your question on the design, it is not just about the you know as a maybe we have been talking before about the material itself you know and how it behaves in you know you know the anisotropy, but having this unique characteristic of the material and knowing that there is so much more potential in the material, at the end the complexity is also related to this. You know, how to do this at some point, it's too hard to grasp just based on experience and engineering know-how. So you need really sophisticated software to structurally optimize your part based on the material characteristics of composites. And there we are building software and we're really emphasizing this. Uh, we're dedicating all of resources to this on how to make the most optimal fiber design, which is still manufacturable. And that you can also have this digital, I sometimes call it the digital prototyping or digital validation environment. So it's not just about uh, optimizing the part. It's also really like always checking if the requirements, the boundary conditions you set in, in the first place are fulfilled. And then at the end, you go into the physical world, into the manufacturing. And uh, yeah, I think that's also unique uh, because now, okay, the software is unique in that sense that uh, you can really create the most optimal manufacturable structural part. But on the other side, and at the end, you also have to create a decent quality part. And um, Rainer, if you may uh, let me, then I will also continue a little bit on the on, on the on the processing side because if you have now created this, um, uh, if you have created the, the the structural part, then you also have to fulfill or basically check all the boxes which are required for production part. And there it starts on the supply chain, it starts on the material. You know, who's supplying the material? Do you have multiple sourcing channels? Does the material have a track record? Because composites are already complex enough. I mean, they, they want to see track records, material characterizations. So there you have to check a lot of boxes. Then you have to go into the manufacturing itself. Um, so what quality does it require for a 3D printed part to go into production? I think at the end, the answer is easy. It requires the same as for conventional composite parts. So basically, you have to check all the boxes on all the standards um, and that relate to reproducibility, um, to geometrical tolerances, um, to porosity, so the void content in the parts, to interlaminar bonding. And this is something we realized with customers along the way, and that's why we built the technology. Uh, we didn't, in a way, that it fulfills those requirements, so we did not stop at 3D printing. We even extended it to introduce a second post-consultation step so what comes out of the printer is a really good part. It's structural, but it's still more a prototype than it's a serious production part. And we're applying heat and pressure in, uh, in the consolidation step. So it's kind of a, a compression molding step. So we can increase further the quality of the part to fulfill or to get the last 
checkboxes um, checked, um, which then really require, uh, which, which they really allow us to, to go into serious production. So that's our solution really coming from the design, from the software to basically the serious production manufacturing technology, which we built. Um, and this is our concept. Right. So as a perhaps as an example, um, I came across a feasibility study that 9T Labs did, which was of a kind of aerospace hinge component. And um, so perhaps you could describe a little bit what specifically this component was and uh, what the objective was of, of the kind of project and feasibility study that 9T Labs did in terms of kind of optimizing weight, optimizing cost for this specific component. That's one of the, that was actually a part I was looking at during my PhD. And at that time I was working with, a, with robots. I was working with six and seven axis robot. And we tried to print this hinge part, which is a load introduction point uh, or load introduction part for a helicopter. In this case, it was a helicopter door. And at the end, what we realized is first, you know, what we do in the feasibility studies, we do a commercial and a technical feasibility. So commercial means are we cost competitive in production? Is there a business case we can build um, that's aside of, uh, you know, that the performance of the material also makes a viable business case? The other side is the technical feasibility. So there we, we first look at, okay, is it even possible to, uh, to build this part to substitute maybe the metal, the existing metal part? And, um, you know, what kind of benefits at the end come out of it? What kind of extra performance comes out of it? And in this case, and this relates back now to what I said about the robotic 3D printing, when I was first looking at this part, and this part is, this is kind of a really classical part, which is always uh, metal milled. So it can be steel, it could be aluminum, it could be titanium, but it's a milled part traditionally. It's kind of small, complex, usually also thick parts. And when I was looking at this uh, with my robot at that time, at ETH, at the, during my PhD, I realized we cannot just print this part. It doesn't matter if we have six, seven, eight, you name it, 10 axes, because there is like an intrinsic problem that you have to orientate the fibers if you want to make it in composite in a quite complex manner. So you have to really create this three-dimensional composite orientation. And this is something we realized and at Light and Light Labs build a technology so we can print multiple parts. So we go from the software, we split a global geometry into subparts which we can then print, they're all optimized. Then they come together and we have this consolidation step, this compression molding step, the second step, where we weld those parts together if you want. And this really creates the ability to make a complex fiber orientation, fulfilling all the requirements for those kind of applications. And this hinge is a prime example for that, where this cannot really be done economically and even technically to, to a big degree in, 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 in conventional composites, in particular in the thermoplastic composite space. So this is something um, which is really relevant because a lot of applications we are developing with customers, they have these characteristics uh, of being a smaller, high-value part, traditionally metal, uh, where also thick parts, complex geometry, which we then now economically viable um, substitute with composite materials with our technology from a technical and commercial point of view. Um, so in terms of perhaps some other applications, um, where do you see kind of like the best applications in terms of um, 3D printers, continuous fiber composites? So I, I think first we have to talk about the size and uh, we are very much convinced at 90 Labs that um, especially short midterm, 
it's extremely important that we build decent business cases. So at the end, you know, if you want to have something in production or machine producing parts and series, if you want, uh, you have to focus on where can we create those business cases. And this is what we see very much in smaller applications. So smaller means basically maybe the projected area of your laptop. This is kind of a standard application we are looking at. And also what's kind of uh, mostly the case that we are looking into metal applications, which we could not do in composites before or that have not been done in composites before. So traditionally, like in different industries across different verticals, we look at those kind of applications, smaller high value applications, uh, traditionally metal, doesn't have to be always metal, but traditionally a lot of, a lot of applications are metal. And we are looking into industries like aerospace, uh, medical, and um, kind of the leisure luxury field. Those are our main driving fields. Okay, great. So in terms of kind of the, the future of 90 Labs, what are perhaps, you know, some of the things that you've got planned for um, the upcoming year? What are some of the things that are kind of on your roadmap for 2021 and kind of the, the future ahead? So for this year, we have quite uh, ambitious goals. So we are now shipping the first machines, the hardware, also like the full solution, including the software to first customers so they can um, use the technology to build parts, to design parts, build parts. Um, and what's really important here to, to, to emphasize is we are also working closely with customers. So they are not just benchmarking the technology or exp experimenting with the technology. So we're really working together on application cases, which we are ramping up to production. And that's, that's really important um, to emphasize. On the other side, we are now building um, a bigger commercial team. We are expanding geographically. So now it's really the time for commercialization, um, you know, talking to more customers, developing more applications. And that's going to be the, the big, the big um, step for this year. Um, yeah, having more machines printing and uh, more, uh, more users on the software side. And yeah, really like making the next step on the commercial side. Great. I'm really looking forward to seeing all of the things you have planned for 2021. So um, where are some of the places, you know, online or maybe perhaps even offline um, where listeners can kind of stay up to date um, with your developments? Yeah, we're also like actively and we, we also will do this more um, for the year 2021. Um, we have like actively published articles on LinkedIn and other outlets. So it could be 3D printing blogs could be composite manufacturing blogs uh, where we will have like numerous um, publications dedicated to our technology or the just the space as a whole. So it, I think it's always good to check our webpage. We'll also launch a new one um, soon um, where there will be also links to blogs um, where we have basically already published things and we will always have also maybe not so relevant for the first half a year in 2021, but for the second uh, for the second half, uh, we'll also publish actively like where we will be going to trade shows and um, trade fairs. And um, yeah, and you can always keep uh, keep up with what what we are doing with our progress. Um, yeah, those blogs, those um, you know, our LinkedIn page and um, trade shows, we will hopefully also soon attend again. Yeah, and I mean, I'll be putting all of the kind of links um, to your webpage and kind of LinkedIn page on um, 
in in the show notes that go that will go out with the, with this podcast episode and as a kind of like personal recommendation there's a really good profile of 90 labs um in um composites world which is a kind of like trade magazine for the for the composite materials um sector and um at compositesworld.com there's a great profile of 90 labs which shows some of the kind of technical and really really complicated geometries that can be made with um with kind of uh, this uh, co combination of 3d printing and composite materials um so martin um you know thanks for coming on the podcast today it was really a pleasure learning about kind of what 90 labs is up to um so yeah thanks for coming on the podcast thank you Rana. thank you so much for having me and uh, yeah, it's a pleasure if you'd like to learn more about 90 labs, then head over to airspaceengineerblog.com forward slash podcast, where you will find show notes about everything we discussed in today's episode. And if you enjoy the Aerospace Engineering Podcast, then there are a number of ways you can support it. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're tuning in. You can share it on social media with your friends and family, or you can support the podcast directly on Patreon. And with that, thank you very much for listening and talk to you next time.